a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the Tech Today podcast, powered by CEO Raider. It is your host, John Mayetta. A couple of news items, quick one today. Apple announced that their head of corporate development slash mergers and acquisitions will now report to Tim Cook, previously reported to Apple's CFO. That's a big deal. So when CorpDev reports to a CFO, that typically tells you that corporate development slash mergers and acquisitions, M&A, is an afterthought. M&A, if it's truly strategic inside of a company, ought to report to the CEO. And that corp dev head is going to be in contact with the CFO anyway, as it relates to deals in the pipeline, stuff that's getting close so that cash can be repatriated and things like this. So you could have a coordinated effort around the payment in cash on hand. Sounds obvious, but not every company has a tight process around repatriation in cash management as it relates to M&A activity. So the reason I say M&A, Corp Dev, that function should report to the CEO is because M&A is a strategic lever for growing revenue. Growing revenue, bringing new products into the product portfolio, growing the customer base, offering value to customers. It's a highly strategic function. And I think it should report to the CEO in, in every company. I always find it surprising when Corp Dev reports to the, to the CFO. And if you want to have Corp Dev have a formal chain of reporting to both, great. But the, the CEO needs to own Corp Dev. Because yeah, that tells me as a company, if, if you have Corp Dev reporting to the CFO, that you, the CEO, are not engaged. And you could come back to me and say, hey, as CEO, you know, my, my CFO is a direct line of reporting. And I'm involved in that I, I get my information firsthand from the CFO as it relates to M&A activity. Just tells me you're not engaged. You should want to dig in if you're the CEO. Look at what the guys at SSNC have done. I keep bringing them up, but hey, they're a great example. Look at what SSNC has done over the past eight, eight years. I left banking in May of 11. And went to the corporate side. And if memory serves, you know, toward the end of my time at as a banker with Needham, 2010, 2011, thereabouts, SSNC had a, a market value of around a, a billion, one billion. And I think enterprise value is around the same. And today, the market value is 16 billion. And the enterprise value, I think they have net debt of around four and a half, five billion at the moment, slightly lower than what's our materially lower than what's on the 10k so call it five let's just round up so it's that 21 billion of enterprise value so that's in eight short years and a lot of that value has been created through m&a activity buying assets that fit directly into ssnc's core portfolio accounting but then also buying assets that are adjacent like as which also has some uh, back office functionality uh buying assets like intralinks you know, I think one of the mistakes, I think there are two common mistakes that, that companies make. Let's put culture aside. That's sort of a, a uh, an intangible that's very important. But in terms of product set, the services portfolio, I think there are two common mistakes that companies make as it relates to their M&A strategy. One is that they buy something that's far afield, you know, an asset that's completely unrelated to the product and services portfolio as it currently stands. And what happens is these companies end up becoming a, a portfolio company, a portfolio holding company of sorts. We have a bunch of assets that aren't terribly related. So Progress Software used to be like that a decade or so ago when I'm a banker. I'm looking at these uh, 
folks over at Roper Technologies, look at look at that portfolio of software companies and tell me you think if that's a tight strategy by having a bunch of software companies that aren't related. So that's one mistake. Another mistake is is thinking as C, as a CEO, as a board member, as a CFO, thinking that you have to buy an asset that fits directly into your core and that you can only buy assets that fit very tightly into your core. So that would be like SS&C saying, we're, we're, we're only going to look to acquire companies where, you know, 90% of their revenue or more comes from portfolio accounting. That's it. We're not going to look at, at anything that's adjacent, even if our customer base could benefit from those adjacencies. So companies either get myopic in their focus or they go way too broad in terms of the asset types that they acquire. And they buy stuff out of their purview where they don't have any expertise or any knowledge. And you don't get points from the street for pursuing a holding company strategy. So not enough companies buy assets in adjacent spaces. So Apple, what I just talked about, doesn't really relate to them because they've done essentially nothing on the M&A side. I mean, they, they've done a lot, quite a bit in the way of tuck-in acquisitions. AI, AR, VR, they've made a bunch of small strategic acquisitions. I think Beats to this day, they've paid $3 billion for Beats headphones. That remains their largest acquisition. So hopefully... Moving the corp dev head to report directly to Tim Cook is a sign of things to come. I still think Apple needs to make an acquisition in the healthcare IT space. I don't think they can do it all by themselves, not at the pace that Tim Cook is currently moving at. I think they need to acquire either Cerner or Epic Systems and bring EMR into their Apple Health initiative to go at it alone organically. They certainly have the resources. I just think they they move... Slow as all hell, Apple does, and where healthcare IT is, you know, has a fair amount of complexity, a, a ton of regulation, HIPAA, HIPAA related regulation. So it probably makes sense to acquire a company like Cerner, not only for the customer base, the the EMR technology, but that domain expertise is infinitely valuable. I also think at some point, if if Apple really wants to build out their traditional content footprint, meaning Video in particular. Disney is the obvious acquisition. Disney has the best content library of anybody. And Disney and Apple already have a history. So that would make make sense. Frankly, I'd rather Apple just go all out in video games as it relates to content. I think that's where the, the future is, not, not in traditional legacy content. So that's Apple. The other one today was Amazon and Facebook where 500 million data elements as it relates to Facebook user accounts were exposed on AWS servers. Uh, one server was in Mexico. I forget where the other one is. It's not really relevant. But you know what's interesting is who do you point the finger at? You know, there's this gray area where it's unclear whose responsibility it is. You know, AWS will tell you, you know, hey, we're responsible for making sure the servers operate as advertised. Facebook would say, well, you know, our data is on your server. You're responsible for protecting it. So it creates reputational risk for both companies. So both companies have to own it. If you're Facebook, you've got to go the extra mile and put measures in into your service level agreements with the vendor. So whether it's an SLA with AWS or with Oracle or Google or Microsoft, whoever's cloud you're on, you've got to insist on provisions to mitigate the risk of, never mind data being hacked by nefarious actors, but just having data exposed to employees. You know, Facebook employees shouldn't see your data. Amazon employees shouldn't see your data if you're a Facebook user. Never mind nefarious actors, but 
you know, just should not be exposed at all. And data being exposed, you're never going to, if it's on the internet, if you have a data set on the internet, there is risk of exposure, risk of it being hacked. And so if you're the company that has a direct relationship with the consumer, in this case, Facebook, or if you're the company providing the, the backend functionality to the consumer technology company, in this case, AWS, uh, there's reputational risk to both companies. Therefore, both companies ought to take extra steps to prevent this type of a occurrence from happening. It looks like Facebook is up a little over a point today. So, and Amazon is down two tenths of a point. So I think unfortunately with all the data breaches we've had over the past few years, people are becoming desensitized to the issue and that's a problem. That's all for now. See you next time.